So I predict、uh, that the next generation of early detection company can have a complete solution for both early detection and personalized cell therapy. So essentially, a combination of diagnosis and cellular therapy together. That that will be、uh, the rock star. Next generation early detection company. Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is the place where scientists, clinicians, and entrepreneurs discuss the progress of this rapidly developing field. I am your host, Alexander Yahensky. Let's start. Three, two, one, and we are live. Welcome to the next episode of the Personalized Medicine Podcast. Today we will be talking about oncology and related personalized diagnostics and therapeutic solutions. Our guest today is Dr. Gang Song, a scientist and serial entrepreneur. Gang completed his PhD degree in biochemistry and molecular biology at the Shanghai Medical College of Fudan University, and then moved to Harvard. Where he did a postdoc at the lab of Tim Springer, where he was studying structure and function of cell adhesion molecules. Gang has extensive experience in the life science industry, working at various positions at Acum, which was acquired by Roche, Genzyme Genetics, and LabCorp. In 2014, Gang founded Pillar Biosciences, a precision medicine company developing genomics tests for various types of cancer. Gang also co-founded another venture. Autoimmune Therapeutics, which is focusing on developing novel cell therapies for cancer based on CAR T technology. Gang, thank you so much for accepting my invitation and welcome to our podcast. Thanks.、Uh, very happy to be here, Alexander. Perfect. Great. So I would like to start with your story. You started in China, then moved to the U.S. to do a postdoc in molecular biology. Worked at large life science companies and later co-founded multiple successful biotech startups yourself. Can you tell our audience more about your personal story? What you got interested in molecular biology and what was the main driving force behind your diverse and multifaceted career? Sure.、Uh, first,、uh, thanks for your invitation again, and excited to be here sharing、uh, my story.、Um, During my undergraduate years at Shanghai Medical University, my major was pharmaceutical chemistry, which is essentially the study of drugs. I learned how drugs work in human bodies, how to design, synthesize, analyze, and deliver them. In the 1990s, drugs were mainly small molecules. I quickly learned from my professors that the failure rate. Of small molecule drugs was extremely high at that time, and the underlying issue was that we knew little about the drug targets,、uh, often large biological molecules. Therefore, I decided to make a switch to molecular biology for my graduate studies. Then I got into the department of molecular genetics. At that time. 
learning molecular biology to better understand human biology at a molecular level was truly eye-opening. I was also lucky that my PhD advisor actually founded one of the first-generation biotech companies in China. So besides learning all basic molecular me- mechanisms and molecular experimental skills, I had the rare opportunity of applying what I learned in the lab immediately to the real biotech industry. The company actually developed recombinant streptokinase called RSK from E. coli to break down blood clots in patients with heart attack, lung, or leg blood clots. So this drug was eventually approved by the CFDA, and the company was then acquired by Fosun, one of China's largest uh, pharmaceutical companies, before I completed my PhD thesis. So this five-year PhD experience was very unique and amazing. After that, I knew I wanted to have a career with all aspects, basic science research, translation, and starting a biotech company. Then my decision to do my postdoc in Tim's lab after my PhD was a no-brainer. Perfect. And uh, Gang, I think Tim is such an iconic uh, figure in immunology and molecular biology, and obviously also a huge inspiration for all the biotech-driven entrepreneurs. So I'm curious, what was the main lesson or lessons that you've learned from working with him? Yeah, a great question. Indeed, I learned so much from Tim. Uh, I think I joined Tim's lab in 2001. Uh, Tim had discovered several adhesion molecules and that famous uh, three-step paradigm in leukocyte uh, diapodesis. Tim founded his company, Leukocyte, first company, uh, in 1993. Uh, Leukocyte went public uh, five years later and was uh, acquired by Millennium in 1999 for, I think, uh, over $600 million. So I was very curious about how Tim accomplished all of this as a professor, which is rare, especially at that time. So I decided to spend uh, five years in Tim's lab. The number one thing I learned from Tim was data, data, data. He was extremely serious about data quality and could spot bad signs or artifacts by instinct. Postdocs in his lab not only needed to generate interesting data to prove or disprove hypotheses, but also to show really high-quality data. One could not survive in his lab if the data was mediocre. All of Tim's lab's research and discoveries are completely reproducible by other labs. By contrast, in the biology field, I have to say that uh, data being not reproducible between labs is a common issue. I often say no to a business plan with so-so data within just five minutes. Second, uh, I think it was logical thinking. 
human biology is very complex, as we know, and somewhat chaotic. However, as Tim said, biology is indeed very logical. To do well in biological research, biotech startups, and investments, one must have logical thinking. It's very difficult for me to work with any collaborators, business partners, or investors without good logical reasoning. Last but not least, having good business sense is something unique that I learned from Tim. Many scientists start companies, but very few are successful. The Moderna case is a perfect example that shows Tim's business instinct. In 2009, I think, if I uh, remember correctly, uh, Derek Rosie, a young PI at our institute, modified messenger RNA and reprogrammed adult cells to act like uh, embryonic stem cells. Rosie told Tim about his exciting research results. Tim um, immediately recognized its commercial potential as well. He helped Rosie contact Robert Langer at MIT and Nova Afrian and flagship. Uh, A few months later, Moderna was funded. Tim became its funding investor. Uh, He put about uh, $5 million into the company and today, he still holds 3.5% of Moderna. Uh, So as you can see, I learned so much uh, from Tim. Yeah, perfect. And I think if I would have to summarize all these three points that you mentioned, it's just about instinct, right? Developing the right feeling for what are the good quality of data, what is good science, what has um, therapeutic application ultimately, what are the people that can execute on the idea? And uh, I think mastering that is is an art in itself. And, and it's great to hear your perspective uh, on what you've learned from Tim. But now let's let's move a little bit to, towards what you are doing. And I really want to ask you about Pillar. So can you tell our audience a little bit about the funding story of Pillar Biosciences and what exactly it is doing? Sure. Uh, I didn't found Pillar no, uh, right after I completed my postdoc. Actually, after my, uh, I completed my postdoc in Tim's lab, I worked for three companies first, uh, including IQ. Uh, it's a startup company, then Genzyme Genetics and LabCorp. Both the startup and Genzyme Genetics were acquired in the end. ICUM was acquired by Roche in 2014. Genzyme Genetics was acquired by LabCorp in 2010. I told myself, why not start a new company? So then around year 2011, uh, yeah, I think it's around 2011, genomic testing by NGS started entering clinical labs. Around 2012, LabCorp participated in Foundation Medicine's Series B financing. It was clear to me that precision oncology was taking off with comprehensive genomics profiling of each patient's unique cancer powered by NGS. However, uh, we found all of existing upstream 
library prep technologies and downstream data analytics pipelines at that time were developed mainly for research purposes. And so not suitable for high volume clinical labs such as LabCorp. The genomics testing was labor intensive and expensive with a turnaround time of a few weeks. The genomics tests can only be offered as testing services in centralized specialty NGS testing labs. So in 2014, we set out to build a product-based company that can eventually enable all clinical labs, in particular hospital labs, to perform sophisticated NGS testing. This is Pillar. At Pillar, we invented three major technology platforms from scratch. SlimAmp is our core technology for single-tube high multiplex amplification to simplify library process from days to hours. Then automated primer design platform enabled by machine learning to fully unlock the power of our SlimAmp technology. PyVet is our proprietary data analysis pipeline that's offered together with our SlimM-based NGS kits. So altogether, we power the oncology ecosystem with our proprietary automatable and NGS platform agnostic technologies with a simplified workflow to expedite the delivery of clinical test results. Uh, quickly back to physicians. Perfect. Um, that sounds fantastic. And uh, I'm curious uh, about the SlimAmp technology. So can you tell our audience uh, what exactly is the rationale behind it and how does it help you sequence genomes more efficiently? Yes. Uh, SlimAmp uh, is stem loop inhibition mediated amplification. Using SlimAmp, we can actually amplify a few thousand amplicons with complete coverage of four axons in many genes in a single tube. To my knowledge, none of other companies in our space can do the same. Specifically, the SlimAmp technology can selectively amplify overlapping amplicons without the need to split primers into separate reactions. Um, and at the same time, eliminate primer dimer formation. So these are the two major issues that could not be solved by other multiplex PCR methods. Since every target can be amplified efficiently in a single tube with little primer dimers, the required DNA input amount is at minimum. Our SlimAmp based products have shown very low assay failure rate, particularly with poor quality samples. This is a practical unmet need in all clinical labs. As we know, the quality of many clinical samples is just too low. Very often, these low quality samples would fail in hybrid capture based assays. Unfortunately, Oncologists cannot get any testing results to guide their treatment decisions when patient samples fail in the assays. 
understand. Perfect. It sounds sounds really exciting and um, looks like a massive technological improvement on the existing tech. What I'm also curious about is a little bit uh, on the business side of things. Um, is the business model that Pillar is pursuing in this space? Because there are quite a few precision oncology companies that are trying to facilitate um, diagnostics um, and identifica- identification of specific cancer mutations. I'm curious, uh, how do you think about kind of revenue streams and generating uh, money with Pillar? And how does it compare to, to the, rest of the rest of the companies in this space? Sure. Uh, in short, uh, Pillar is a product-based company. Our business model is more like Roche Diagnostics. In fact, no, Pillar just recently appointed a new CEO, Randy Pritchard, from uh, Roche Diagnostics. So most um, major players in our field are service-based genomics testing companies, such as Foundation, Garden Health, Natera, Tempers, Caris, and so on. At Pillar, we actually build IVD and IVD-grade products in the form as um, distributed kits and software to enable all channels globally. Obviously, it takes more time to build such a product-based company compared to those testing service companies. However, this product-based business model is much more scalable in the long run. The margin is also much higher uh, compared to service-based business model. More importantly, Pillar has 100% control of underlying technologies. Our R&D team can continue to optimize our technologies and invent new technologies as needed. Archer DX, uh, which was acquired by Invitain last year, was probably the only other product-based startup that targets clinical oncology NGS market in U.S. Uh, ArcherDX licensed anchored multiplex PCR AMP technology from MGH. This AMP technology has a unique advantage in detecting unknown fusions. However, this AMP technology has its own shortcomings to scale. On the other hand, Pillar's technology, SlimMap technology, is easy to use and more affordable for high-volume uh, hospital labs and large reference labs. Uh, in addition, our uh, technology truly stands out in dealing with those uh, difficult clinical samples, such as very old FFP DNA and ctDNA samples. So. Uh, in the long run, our product-based business model can bring us revenue streams with high margin. Yeah, I understand. And uh, it's interesting distinction, right? Because if you look at this landscape, as you mentioned, most of the large companies seem to focus on services, providing their own lab capacity. But if you are able to deliver an easy-to-use uh, product at scale, that 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 is very attractive from the margin standpoint and also from the scalability. We are doing this show for you and your feedback is very important for us. So if you have any suggestions or comments, would like us to cover a specific topic or recommend a guest, please write us an email to team at pmedcast.com. Or you can reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook 
Just type in Personalized Medicine Podcast and you will find us there. To download the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's P-M-E-D-C-A-S-T dot com. The show notes include guest bios, links to their most notable work, and recommendations for additional reads on the topic of the episode. Make sure to check them out. And don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a rating and leave a comment. It will help us make this show better. And now, let's get back to the interview. Gang, I think we've we've talked a lot on diagnostics, but I know that diagnostics is not the only avenue in oncology that you are pursuing. You also co-founded a therapeutic company, Afroimmune. Can you tell us more about this venture and what makes it different from other companies active in the CAR-T cell space? Sure. Uh, there was an interesting story. So about five years ago, uh, Dr. Meng Su-Jing at Cornell showed me some really interesting data. Meng Su and I actually did our postdoc together in Tim's lab when we engineered integrating LFA1 idleman to high affinity for its ligand ICAM1 using East display. We published a paper on this together. Then Monsu engineered idleman at Cornell with a range of affinities from low, intermediate to high onto CAR T cells. His mice data clearly indicated that high affinity idleman CAR Ts eliminated tumor cells in the mice model, but with high toxicity. Whereas intermediate affinity idleman CAR T cells were great in both efficacy and safety in mice. As you might know, low safety, especially the on-target off-tumor toxicity, was one of the biggest challenges for the CAR-T therapy. Potentially, Monsu's novel affinity-tuned CAR-T can solve this issue. Furthermore, ICAM-1 is a new target for CAR-T to crack code in solid tumors. Everyone at that time was working on CD19 CAR-T, and it had showed some exciting results in blood cancers, but not in solid tumors. I knew LFA1 ICAM1 biology really well, so what I um, anticipated potentially, uh, Monsu's novel approach was going to be a one stone, three birds approach, addressing three major issues in solid tumor CAR T space altogether. Number one, safety. Number two, target. Number three, tumor microenvironment. Then we decided to co-found FEMU. At FEMU, I was not involved in day-to-day work. I served as a board member to provide strategic and operational guidance of the company. So yeah, long story short, now, because Monsu and I worked together in Tim's lab, then eventually we started this company together. Perfect. Yeah, and it's a nice example of serendipity and uh, how the unlikely paths sometimes cross um, and lead to, to wonderful outcomes. Exactly. Great. Gang, beside being a founder of multiple companies, 
You have also recently joined Ori Capital as venture partner. So can you tell us a bit about your experience with Ori, which type of companies you invest in, and what do you look for in those emerging life science startups? Sure, a good question. So I actually have been operating partner with Ori Capital for many years. Uh, I have been CEO for Pillar for six years. Uh, recently, since we hired a new CEO from Roche Diagnostics, I was appointed as chairman of the board at Pillar. I put in place uh, appropriate corporate governance structures, risk management systems, and bro- um, board processes to safeguard shareholders' interests and ultimately enhance shareholder value. Uh, at the same time, I also help to identify new investment opportunities. Just like Tim, I'm also interested in science-based investments. When I evaluate each company's pitch deck or business plan, I first look for great science and high-quality data. Uh, that's the first pass. I still read scientific papers almost every day. I like to chat with professors, industry colleagues about the latest new ideas or discoveries in their labs. If the scientific approach is not groundbreaking or the data quality is mediocre, I will just pass this opportunity in just a few minutes. If I don't understand their science or data, I will not make a recommendation either. So purely based on science, and data quality uh, in the first pass. Uh, I believe great science uh, led to great exits. Uh, just a couple of examples from our Ori Fund One. Um, KaiMab was founded by Alan Bradley, and it was acquired by Sanofi early this year for over $1.4 billion. Uh, Sama Therapeutics was founded by Douglas Milton, and it was acquired by Vertex in the preclinical stage for, uh, I think, around 950 million. Yeah. So yeah, that's gr- these are great examples. Great science led to good exits. Then next, I look at the competitive landscape and try to understand whether the new company can be a disruptive player. Um, for example, I would have said no even to Monsu in 2016 if his scientific approach could only address the limitations of blood cancer CAR T. That made me exciting was you no know, his approach could address potentially uh, solid tumor CAR T. Another example is that an early detection startup these days must show drastically different science from CTDNA-based approaches. Now, as you know, uh, what Grail, Thrive, Freenome have been working on this angle for years and are spending billion dollars in clinical trials, there's little chance left for CTDNA-based emerging companies. Finally, uh, not least, uh, the Ori team then armed with uh, its proprietary AI-driven platform, Horizon, can dig deeper. Uh, they will look at other criteria such as targets, uh, approaches, publications, 
rockstar funding and management teams, board, composition, and investors, exit strategies, valuation, and so on. Uh, th- these are what we uh, look at uh, each uh, investment uh, opportunity. Perfect, Gang. This is very insightful. And I wonder which one advice would you give to young scientists who are thinking about starting their own company in the personalized medicine or broader biotech space? Uh, a great question. Uh, I would say finding at least one co-founder who you can trust without any hesitation and ideally has complementary uh, experience and uh, skill sets uh, is extremely important. Uh, so no one can start a good biotech company on his or her own. Uh, if you are an academic scientist, you will need someone who has frontline in industry experience in either product development or business development. For industry scientists, new ideas and discoveries from academia are essential. So th- this is just at the start. When your company grows, you must keep finding right people, especially a top-notch uh, management team. In these days, VCs like uh, Flagship uh, or Third Rock, they incubate companies. Uh, at Ori, we also incubate companies. After a successful exit, the management team will move into another startup, and then you will become a serial entrepreneur. This is a highly, highly successful model. Perfect. Gang, I think this is very helpful and I can only second that that reliable and complementary co-founder is essential for any successful venture. And now, speaking a little bit about the future, what I'm curious to hear about is what do you think would be the three major developments in the field of personalized medicine, precision oncology over the next 10 years? So what do you see happening or what you would like to see happen in this space? Yeah, uh, this is a very big question. I would say uh, I'm most uh, excited about three ex- uh, areas in the field of personalized medicine. Uh, number one, MRD or recurrence monitoring. Uh, second, early detection, uh, and third, uh, personalized cellular therapy. Uh, first, we aim to manage cancer like uh, chronic disease. Uh, that's our, our goal. We must continue to monitor cancer patients after surgery and therapies, include, including adjuvant and neoadjuvant settings. Cancer actually can be controlled with treatment, become stable or reach remission. But sooner or later, it moves from remission to recurrence and progression. With timely monitoring, cancer may be treated effectively again and be back to remission. Um, in this space, Natara and Garden House have launched uh, their first generation of monitoring tests in their own clear labs. Pillar is also working on a next generation NGS-based liquid biopsy monitoring product line for MRD and uh, recurrence monitoring. Our products can be performed again at any clinical NGS lab. 
helping all cancer patients globally uh, in a decentralized and cost-effective manner. That's our goal. So the second area, um, that's early detection. Now, everybody wants to detect cancer early when it can be cured more easily. Uh, this is so-called uh, holy grail. We all know companies like Grail, Freenom, Thrive, acquired by Exact, have been developing and validating such early detection tests. Again, these tests can only be run in their own clear labs. All of these early detection tests are based on ctDNA mutations uh, and methylation profiles, and sometimes uh, together with serum protein markers in the case of Thrive's tests. But I believe beyond ctDNA and NGS and methylation, this early detection field needs new science and technologies from different angles. Last but not least, um, true personalized uh, cellular therapy represents a major leap in personalized medicine. So every person's cancer and even the same person's cancer at different stages is different from each other. Each cancer cell therapy should be designed based on detailed information not just the ctDNA about the roots, root cause of a patient's disease. More importantly, when you find the root cause of each cancer patient, you can also find a personalized way of detecting, controlling, treating, and monitoring this patient cancer at the same time. Otherwise, early detection does not bring much value to the patient. The oncologist, uh, the physician, needs to know what to do with patients' positive early, positive early detection result. So I predict uh, that the next generation of early detection company can have a complete solution for both early detection and personalized cell therapy. So essentially a combination of diagnosis, and cellular therapy together. That, that would be uh, the rock star next generation early detection company. That's my prediction. Perfect. Yeah, sounds like a combination of pillar and autoimmune to me a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, I think I think that's a wonderful future. And let's hope that um, collectively as a field, we will get there um, in five to ten years, um, because that's that's exactly what we need, what patients need uh, to get to get cancer treated properly. Gang, it was amazing having you on the show. Before I let you go, one last question: Where can our audience find you online if they would like to reach out? Well, um, I think the easiest way is to connect with me through LinkedIn. Uh, just mention that you heard this uh, podcast, then we will connect. Uh, or you can you know, uh, reach me through our Pillar website. Perfect. Great. Gang, thank you so much for accepting my invitation, for joining us for this podcast. It was a very interesting and insightful conversation. I think precision medicine, precision oncology is growing. Uh, there is a lot to be done, but there is also a lot of movement, a lot of innovation in this space. 
And uh, yeah, it's great to see that the companies that you that you lead are on the forefront of that of that progress. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Alexander. Perfect. Thank you, Gan. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Personalized Medicine Podcast. If you like this show and know someone who would enjoy it too, please share this podcast with them. And don't miss the next episode yourself. Subscribe to the Personalized Medicine Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. Please rate us there and leave a comment. That helps us to grow and deliver the best experience to you. To access the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's p-m-e-d-c-a-s-t.com. And engage with us on social media, where we regularly share the news and exciting content on personalized medicine. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook just by typing in Personalized Medicine Podcast. Or use our handle, pmedcast. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest a guest for the show, write us an email to team at pmedcast.com. Have a great day and until next time.